she went over to her board one afternoon and said, help ouch. And I said, what, what ouch? And she said, stranger paw. And then came over and put her left paw in my hand. And then I felt between her fingers and there was a, a foxtail on stuck between her toes that I then pulled out. the podcast for introverts, extroverts, and everyone in between. I'm your host, Chelsea Heaney, and my guest today is the mum of Bunny, the talking sheepa doodle taking the internet by storm. Her account, What About Bunny, where she shares videos of the gorgeous pup communicating through speech buttons, has gathered over 7 million followers across social media, and it's just a great way to brighten your day. Please welcome to the show the brilliant Alexis Devine. Hi there. Thank you so much for having us. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for for coming on. I'm so excited to have you. I mentioned um, before we started recording that a friend of mine mentioned your your account to me a little while ago, and I just love seeing the videos come up. Like I said in the intro, there's just such a great way to brighten your day, and some of the things Bunny says are fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think a lot of the content I make is is quite heartwarming, um, and I try to to throw in some educational content in there as well. And I think. It just really um, speaks to people's curiosity and sort of what the potential that we have to develop really close-knit relationships with the animals that we share our lives with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure most pet owners have said in their lives, God, I just want to know what they're thinking about. You do. I do, yeah, to some extent. <laughs> She's not always very, very clear, but um, we have learned a lot about each other through this process. Um, you know, I spent so much of my life before I got her, leading up to getting her, just wanting a dog and not being ready for one, right? And um, so when when I finally was, I asked my husband, he's like, okay, yeah, it's, it's a good time, let's do it. Um, I did a ton of research. I, I wanted to know as much as I could about canine behavior, about training, different training methodologies, about communication with your dog. Um, I just really wanted to have the closest possible relationship, right? I mean, with any animal that you spend your life with, you've got such a short amount of time that you get to share with them. Um, why not make the absolute most of it? And, um, you know, even so with all that research, I was underprepared, um, as I think most first time dog owners would probably say that they were. So we learned so much together and we spent those first couple of months just really sort of getting to know each other. Like, uh, I tried to understand what her intrinsic communication styles were, how she used her body to communicate. Um, she would motion with her eyes or with her face or with her paw to certain things. And I was like, oh, she's interested in that. Um, and learning how then I in turn could communicate with her. Like we we started working on obedience and I learned about markers and cues and, and timing. Um, so once we had a, a basic grasp of some of that style of communication, I thought, well, let's let's give these buttons a shot. And I had heard about them before bringing Bunny home. Um, I had found Christina Hunger online, uh, Hunger mm -hmm. for Words, and was like, well, this is incredible. She was one of the first people using buttons to communicate with her own dog, Stella. And then subsequently, I came across um, Alexander Rossi, who is uh, a behaviorist who in the early 2000s was also using buttons to communicate with his rescue dog, Sophia. And I was like, this is absolutely amazing. Um, what, what an amazing tool to add to my bucket of tools that I want to use to create this amazing relationship. 
So I didn't have yeah. any expectation of success at all, right? Because I'm not a dog trainer, I'm not a speech language pathologist, I'm not a scientist. But I am sort of like an all or nothing person. So, uh, you know, I figured I'd give it my all and see where we got and uh, put an outside button by the door, pressed it every time we went outside, set outside. I started speaking to her in full sentences and and using my words very, very carefully with her. And after after a few weeks, uh, Johnny and I were sitting at the couch. We were watching Netflix. Bunny was. Uh, standing at the door, she was right next to her button. She was sort of like looking down at the button and then looking up at us, looking down at the button, back up at us. And I was sort of watching her out of the corner of my eye and then looked at us, looked down at the button, picked up her paw, looked back at us and smashed it. And we hear outside. And then her head like whipped up, her ears flew out. And she just looked so proud of her. And I like screeched. I was like, oh my God. We ran outside. We had like an outside party. Johnny was like, whoa. It was it was awesome. It was a really incredible moment. Um, <laughs> felt like a breakthrough, you know. And um, at that point, I was like, well, if we can get one button, certainly we can get 20. If we can get 20 buttons, certainly we can get 50. <laughs> I've just sort of been growing our board ever since. And um, the way I train is, has shifted a bit. And, and uh, my thoughts about it are in sort of this constant flux and evolution. But it's just been such a beautiful journey. And it's really amazing to have so many people watching and supporting us. Um, yeah. It just feels like a community that's really, really inspired by the what if and the sense that we could connect on a deeper level to the animals that we spend our lives with. Yeah, absolutely. I love that visual of Bunny just dramatically pressing that button. That's fantastic. It's awesome. There's a video on both my TikTok and my Instagram of it. It's absolutely adorable. <laughs> just like, whoa, so funny. That's awesome. I do want to go back a slight bit. Um, so how long have you had Bunny? Uh, just over two years. Wait. Yeah. Yeah, two years. I got. I brought her home when she was eight weeks old. Um, and she turned two on September 28th. So yeah, almost two years. Wow. That's really cool. And do you think that this training is something that, um, has to be taught from that really young age from a puppy or to use an old phrase, can you teach an old dog new tricks? (laughs) You know, I think there's a sort of understanding in uh, human language acquisition that there's a critical learning period, right? Mm. Um, and that doesn't seem to be the case with dogs. We don't really have enough data to say definitively yet, but there are lots and lots of older animals that are having amazing success with this. There's Billy the cat, who I think is like a 13 or 14 year old cat who has dozens of buttons. They're amazing. And there, there are you know, so many that right now there are over 3000 people participating in the study at the Comparative Cognition Lab at UCSD. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all having varied levels of success and some of them are older and some of them are puppies. And I think the advantage of teaching an older dog is that they don't have that puppy energy that wants to chew yeah. and play with everything. And they, they have a, a longer attention span. They're more focused. Maybe you understand their drives. You've gotten to know them a little bit better. So you understand why, what they may be interested in communicating. Um, it's going to look a lot different now that we've added a puppy to our family um, because he's a very, he has a very different temperament, right? So um, right now with him, I'm just focusing on some foundational behaviors um, his, his attention span is shorter. He's got a higher drive and those will all um, even out after a while. But right now, I think t- teach, trying to teach him the buttons would just it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be super fun for him. There would be too much um, focus and patience required. Whereas Bunny as a puppy, um, she's very low drive, very calm, focused and sensitive from day one. Um, so right. I think it, 
easy for her to begin that sort of training at a young age. But it really all depends on on the dog and the human and the connection and the time you're able to dedicate and you know. Yeah. And you, you mentioned the um, Christina Hunger and Alexander Rossi. Have you, um, through your process of training Bunny, have you reached out to them and, and gotten much advice from the people who inspired you and who have done it before? I haven't connected with Alexander Rossi at all. Um, mm-hmm. But I have been in touch with Christina Hunger for about a year and a half now. And we communicate periodically. At the very beginning, when I started posting on Instagram and there weren't a lot of other dogs doing this, um, I would sometimes post questions in my um, in my captions. And then she would message me and she'd be like, hey, here's what I've seen from my experience. Um, and then we started messaging back and forth a little bit more. Like, this is what's going on with me. What was your experience like in this regard? We found a lot of similarities between our dogs. and and um and then of course i read her book when it came out which was amazing and it, and it was really fun to see those parallels there as well um so yeah we've we've stayed in touch she's a lovely lovely woman yeah that's really cool what's the um best piece of advice you can remember getting from her um i think the most valuable piece of advice i got was uh when bunny was sort of she was like on a plateau she was at a plateau right she wasn't We'd added some buttons. She had been using them all. And then she just sort of like stopped using them for a little while. And I was like, I don't know how to motivate her to use them. Like, is she bored or does she need more time with one of them? Should I take some away? And uh, Christina was like, I don't know. I think you should add more. Um, I think maybe she doesn't have the buttons that she needs to say what she wants. So she's not using the buttons. Give her some more. Give her some other ways to express herself. Right. Yeah. So my my thoughts before that were like, too many might be completely overwhelming um, and adding more if they're not using them could be quite stressful. Um, but the opposite um, turned out to be true. I added some buttons and she was like, yes, fun. Let's play new combinations. What does this mean? And she started exploring them immediately. Um, so I, I in turn have given that piece of advice to other people. Like if your dog is stuck, if they're not exploring, what harm can it really do to add a few more and see if that helps? I don't yeah. think there's any harm that it can do. The focus is on relationship um, and exploration, so. Yeah, and um, you mentioned earlier, you know, you started by teaching the word outside, and I think, you know, most people can probably grasp how you would teach that um, and how you would teach those more sort of object words, but Bunny has a lot of concept words on her tiles, things like love and family. How do you teach that? So... For the sort of the um, words related to emotion, I try to capture a moment wherein she or I are experiencing that emotion and take that mm-hmm. opportunity to call the word, right? So if we're like gazing lovingly into each other's eyes and I'm just feeling this oxytocin coursing through my body, um, I'm like, I love you, bunny, love you, love you. Um, and there are studies that have been shown that uh, there is an oxytocin exchange, like the levels of oxytocin in both humans and dogs are elevated when you're staring at each other and sharing that moment. So that seemed to make sort of intuitive sense to me. Um, and if she's barking at a bird, she doesn't like great blue herons very much. They're loud. They look like dinosaurs. Um, <laughs> they're huge. Uh, she seems very concerned, a little bit upset. I'll model the concern button. Or, you know, if she is happy, dad's coming home and she's like wiggling her butt and she's got this sort of like doggy grin on her face. Happy, happy, happy. So, I mean, to me, that feels fairly intuitive as well. And obviously, mm-hmm. 
we don't know how a dog is experiencing these emotions, but we don't know how another human is experiencing emotion. Your happy might look a lot, very different than my happy, right? Um, very true, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, as intuitively as possible, I'm trying to help her understand what those emotions mean as she experiences what I see to be those emotions. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And um, when you choose to add words, how do you choose what words that you're adding? Sometimes the scientists I'm working with mm -hmm. help me decide. Sometimes um, it's based on uh, something that she has been interested in recently. Like I, I, you know, many, many months ago added the names of her doggy friends because she seemed to have some quite close relationships with three specific dogs. And as soon as I, she, she started requesting play dates with the individual dogs. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, sometimes she tells me what words to add. So for example, um, most recently uh, we've added the word dream um, because on several occasions she was using the combination sleep talk, sleep talk, night sleep. Oh. I could not for the life of me figure out what that could mean. Um, you know, many people on social media speculated that it was because I was talking in my sleep, which I do have a history of doing, but I haven't been. So it wasn't that. Um, they're like, does Johnny snore? No, Johnny doesn't snore. I talked to the scientists. They're like, maybe could she be? I mean, it's possible that she's talking about dream. So they suggested that um, one day when she's having a particularly fitful dream, um, I gently wake her up and I ask her, what, what talks sleep? What talks sleep? And so I did. Um, she was one of those dreams where she's like running and squealing. And it was like mm. very cool. I went over to her very gently, pet her. And I said, hey, bunny. She woke up sort of startled. It's like, what talks sleep? What talks sleep? She walked right over to the board and pressed stranger animal. Mm. She was dreaming of a strange animal. So then I added the dream button. And I used a, a pretty simple cue transfer to transfer the combination of sleep talk or talk sleep to dream. So what talk sleep, what dream, what talk sleep, what dream. And uh, so we've been using dream ever since. Um, another example of that, how she told me that she wanted a word was, what was it? It was, um, uh, it was the word for talk. She was, she said, uh, oh my gosh, what was it? Sound, <laughs> sound tug and sound walk. She was using the combinations sound tug and sound walk. A sound walk is quite literally what she does when she's at the board, right? Mm. And tug, the scientists speculated, might be a conversation. A tug is a back and forth of sound. So Why? I gave talk and she immediately started using that word. Oh, that's really cool. I love that. Um, the Is that sort of, do you have any sort of other unexpected things that she has said? Um, she's been able to tell me a couple of times when she's in pain, which was pretty beautiful. Um, wow. yeah, we have these horrible foxtail awns that grow here in the summer. They're like mm -hmm. these, um, grasses and they sort of work their way up into animal circulatory systems. They're quite deadly here. Um, and frequently will require surgical intervention. And, um, you know, I was pretty regularly and thoroughly checking her paws every day, but I guess I missed one because she went over to her board one afternoon and said, uh, what was it? Help ouch, something like that. Um, and I was like, what ouch? And she'd been using ouch in some context that didn't really make sense to me. So I was a little bit skeptical. She said, help ouch or mad ouch, something like that. Um, and I said, what, what ouch? And she said, stranger paw. 
and then came over and put her left paw in my hand. And then I felt between her fingers and there was a, a foxtail on stuck between her toes that I then pulled out. Oh, my goodness. That happened a couple of times in the summer. Wow. Oh, my God. That's, like, so beautiful that she's able to tell you that and communicate in that way. Like, how how do you feel your relationship with Bunny has changed since you started training her with this? I mean, it's really hard to say because we started, you know. So young. Yeah. Day one, right? Um but my relationship with Bunny is very, very strong. And I think that's because mm-hmm. uh, that was my goal. Like, I, I really wanted to be as connected as possible to her and understand her uh, to the best of my ability. Um, and, you know, I I think that the buttons have only helped that process. But I'm not sure what I can't really imagine a life without them. They're so sort of woven into the fabric of our day. Yeah. Um, There was another video uh, that I wanted to mention that I I came across it the other day, which I I thought was amazing. There was one that showed that Bunny um, lied about needing to go outside to use the bathroom because she wanted to bark at people outside. It Mm. blew my mind that she was able to figure out what lie would get her outside and lie in that way was that the first time she'd done that did that surprise you or has that happened a lot no it yeah it's happened it's definitely happened before and I'm not I'm not convinced it's a lie so much as she can press outside um and I can say we were just outside you're fine but if she says potty I'm more likely to respond in a favorable manner to her because I don't Mm -hmm. want her you know tinkle in the house yeah so um about that interaction, what I found more hilarious was the fact that I was like, if you say potty one more time, I promise to kick you out. And then she was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then she the people. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't I haven't seen a ton of scientific research on whether or not animals are capable of deception. Um, mm. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't think of it as a lie so much as um, I I want to do this thing. And I know that this word will get the behavior more quickly than this word. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to get me outside more quickly than outside is. But who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Well, just at least shows she's very smart. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Which to be fair, I think the whole process of what you're doing shows that Bunny's very smart. (laughs) She is. a sweet, sensitive, smart, and spicy girl. Those are some of my... (laughs) my choice adjectives for her (laughs) um do you find that bunny just talks to you or does she also talk to your husband or obviously covid probably means you've had less people over than normal but does she talk to family or friends she does um and yes we've had fewer people over um we're not super duper social people to begin with you mentioned introverts at the beginning of the podcast i definitely Mm -hmm. definitely fall into that category um but she has talked to reporters she has talked to my friends. She'll talk to Johnny. I spend the most time with her. Johnny um, is a teacher, so he's, you know, out for most of the day. Um, she told a couple of times she's told reporters to leave. Uh, one time she said, uh, sound go by stranger. And I was like, oh, oh. You know, done. I think that was the Seattle Times. Maybe it was hilarious. They captured <laughs> it and put it in their um, article, which was quite funny. And she'll do that sometimes when I'm on the phone or if I'm doing like Zoom interviews, she'll be like, all done, all done, bye, go sound. Um, so, you know, yeah, she'll, she'll talk to other people, not necessarily sweet nothings, but 
Interesting. I, I mentioned before we started as well that um, I have a cat and he's normally extremely chatty. Um, and even like, you know, if I'm on a Zoom meeting for work or something, he'll come up all around me and want cuddles. But for some reason, podcast interviews, he knows I'm just going to nap while mom does her thing now. That's so interesting. I wonder if it's something like about your energy or the setup or where you are. Yeah, I don't know. Well, because I would think the same thing, but it's the same setup as when I'm working from home and he will happily interrupt a Zoom meeting. Interesting. Uh, I guess he's a good boy. Yeah, he's a very good boy. (laughs) Does does Bunny have any – she obviously trains very well. Um, Does she have any other tricks or things that she knows? Yeah, um, we do a really nice heel. She does a little sit pretty. You know, she can spin and she can do through the legs and she can do an orbit and high five and high ten and, um, I don't know, touch and kisses on the cheek and chin and she can do a whisper. We've got all sorts of silly tricks. Yeah, that's very cute. Um, and you, you've mentioned a few times throughout this that you're, you're part of a study. Um, can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, so the study is taking place at the Comparative Cognition Lab at UCSD. There are over 3,000 participants currently contributing data, um, and we're in phase one or two of the study, hoping for um, a paper to be published within the next year for sure, maybe sooner, and then subsequent papers after that as the data is incoming. Um, I've got four cameras on Bunny's board right now. They're all recording 24-7, and I um, collate that footage and send it to the Comparative Cognition Lab every two weeks. And then I have mm-hmm. uh, regular weekly meetings with the scientists, um, which is a lot of fun. Uh, it's definitely it's definitely been a really unique thing to have um, scientists informing some of my decisions with this. Like, I feel like at a yeah. certain point, I probably would have been like, I, ju- I just don't know where to go. I don't know what this means. Uh, like, is it all random? Is it not? And so it's nice to be able to have this feedback loop with them where I can be like, here's how I'm feeling. What are you seeing? Here's what I'm hearing. What do you hear? What should I add going forward? Like, what does sound walk and sound tug? What do those mean? Sound walk, sound. Mm. And they're like, oh, well, obviously it means a conversation. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. How did you get involved? Did you reach out to them or them to you? So it was about six months into our journey. And I think I saw something on Facebook that uh, Leo Trottier, who is the founder of Clever Pet and Fluent Pet, um, was developing a canine specific AAC device. He was looking for beta testers. And I was like, "Ooh, this is awesome. Like I said before, I think it'd be really cool to have some of my decisions going forward informed by science. And so we had a meeting um, and I was one of the first people to get the original prototypes of the Fluent Pet Hex tiles, which they were just like these huge basic foam tiles where the big buttons would fit in. Um, and so we've been through every iteration of that since through the tiles becoming smaller and hard based and the buttons becoming smaller and the sound quality improving um, and then being organized by by the Fitzgerald key. And yeah, we've been working together ever since. Yeah. Can you tell us more about the Fitzgerald key? Yeah. So the Fitzgerald key was designed by Edith Fitzgerald in the early 1900s. She was a deaf teacher. Um, who thought it necessary to create an organizational system so that deaf children could learn syntax and grammar. 
So she decided to organize her words by category, like your who, what, when, where, all those sorts of categories, so that going moving from left to right, you could sort of create a sentence by picking the words from these categories. And it helps Bunny to compartmentalize where the, the words are. So instead of having this mat, like this massive mat, right, with like 100 buttons. So she just has to know where that one tile is and in what position on that tile is the mom button instead of trying to like memorize this massive map of buttons. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, you know, mentioning Otter there, you've got a new puppy recently. Um, mm -hmm. And you, you did mention that um, at the start she's a bit too young at the moment to, to teach Otter, but is that something that you plan to do? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, so much of it just depends on his interest in it. Right. Bunny was um, very engaged and, and very excited uh, to use the buttons mm -hmm. and Otter might not be. And that's fine. But um, he's definitely uh, observing Bunny communicate a lot. He had he has an ear infection right now. Um, we're on the way out of the ear infection, which is great. But I was cleaning his ears out one day um, and Bunny went over to the board and she pressed Otter ear ear. And I was like, yeah, I, I was cleaning, I was cleaning his ears out, Otter ear ouch. And that was sort of the end of that conversation. And the next day, Otter went over to the board, this massive board with a hundred buttons and pressed ear, ear, and then walked away. Um, could be random, obviously. Uh, hmm. Pretty specific random button to pick out. Yeah. Hundred. Um, so he, he definitely knows that uh, something happens when those buttons are pushed. And instead now of running up to them and like, immediately putting the whole thing in his mouth and like shaking vigorously he sort of walks delicately around it and sniffs so he knows that it's he's understanding that it's not a toy and we do have an outside button in a in a tile for him by the door that i'm just casually every now and then um, pressing as we go outside he's pressed it once of his own accord um but like i said i'm not i'm not spending too much time or focus on that just yet i really want him to develop a little bit more impulse control and for us to have a really solid foundation of communication before before i get into that i mean i feel like i i know i know what i'm doing now sort of i mean i never really know what i'm doing but basically i understand what i'm doing so it's okay for me to take a little bit of time and just um really work on intrinsic communication before jumping into the buttons with him yeah it's really cool also i i feel like i want to shout out how much i appreciate you naming your dogs after other animals <laughs> <laughs> Bunny the dog, Otto the dog. I appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah my my family cat back home. Um, his name is Pancake. Um, oh. <laughs> we we adopted him. Um, and his name was already Pancake, and we were gonna change it, but he already like knew that it was his name, so we just kept it. And now I'm like, yeah, that's a name. Pancake's that's totally cool. a normal name for a cat. <laughs> I love like animals that are named after other animals and animals that are named after food. I think yeah. it, I just think it's so cute, like French fry, hamburger, uh, potato, uh, meatball. <laughs> These are all actual animals that I know. Pickles. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my yeah. my uncle, um, when I was growing up, he had a um, sausage. Uh, he had a horse called Sausage. Um, <laughs> cute when, when me and my sister were still at home we had pancake the cat my sister got a bunny rabbit and i begged her to call him pikelet she did not um but i wanted us to have pancake and pikelet which is a mini pancake oh i have never uh, heard that. Is that an australian thing oh i actually think it's like a, a dutch thing or something i'm not sure like a pikelet is like like a bite-sized pancake well that sounds delicious and i want one now I remember yeah. like going to like um, 
back in the day when we were able to have like markets and festivals and things there mm -hmm. would be like a pikelet saying you'd get like a little thing of pikelets with like icing sugar and stuff on them they're delicious that sounds like the danish version of donut holes in america yes yeah pretty much i i, I think it's probably a similar there. thing yeah okay yeah. cool yeah That's amazing um, but yeah, she she did not call him Pikelet. She ended up calling the bunny Toby, and he's gorgeous. But I was like, but we would have pancake and Pikelet, and it would be great. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that <laughs> sounds like a, a an Instagram famous duo. Right? Yeah. And missed opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> um, you also you also have a cat at home. Um, and you know this can be done with other animals. But do you do you think your cat would take to using the buttons? No, and actually, sad fact, our cat's been missing for about three months now. Oh, I'm so sorry. We're pretty heartbroken about it. He got out when uh, we had family visiting, and we've done everything we can to find him. And, um, yeah, we're devastated. And Bunny, just the other day, uh, broke my heart by saying, we're a cat, Hoonie. Um, and oh. I just like, broke down into tears. Um, but, yes, there are many, many cats that are also a part of the study that are having great success with the buttons. Uh, Billy Speaks was the one I mentioned earlier, who's uh, mm -hmm. 14. Um, the Catman John, the Daily Steve B, and several others. And and cats have a totally different way of communicating. There's a lot more like sass. Um, <laughs> Billy Speaks got super famous because for a while she was just like mad, 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 mad. <laughs> Mad, 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 mad. Um, and just hilarious. And now she's got a much larger vocabulary, but I think she's still fond of that button. So, um, also, there's like a capuchin in the study. There are some birds. There's a horse. There are some pigs. Um, there's some guinea pigs. So, there are all sorts of animals, not just dogs, that are having success with the buttons. Wow, that's really cool. I'm, if that horse's name is not Ed, um <laughs> <laughs> yes yes <laughs> yeah. um is this something that anyone could do or you mentioned that before you you got bunny you did a lot of research into getting a dog and stuff does it does it take a lot of research and, and a lot of energy to do this training or is it something that someone could do casually if they wanted to try it I mean I think that depends on so many factors right mm -hmm. like um First of all, I, I believe that anyone should, before they get a dog, do some research. Um, yeah. It's a commitment. You should know like what type of dog you're getting and how that's going to affect its daily needs. Um, you, you should be prepared to pay for pet insurance and pet food and, and emergency vet visits um, and enrichment toys. And you should have the time to do all of that stuff. Um, and then in terms of the buttons, um, it's an investment in the system. And then it's a huge investment in time, depending on how far you want to go, right? Like um, for me, a lot of it has been creative sort of um, like pieces of puzzles, just sort of like working things out as I go. Because um, there isn't really a, a diagram of how to do this because all dogs are such individuals, you know, um, based on their temperament and based on their interests. And the people too, it's like a, you know, cause it's a partnership that you're gonna have with your dog. So yeah, I think anyone can do this. Um, will anyone want to do this or will <laughs> everyone want to do this? Um, for me, it takes up the majority of my day, um, teaching her, recording her, um, 
working on our relationship. It's not just me like at the buttons teaching her, but I'm constantly trying to learn how to better communicate with her um, mm-hmm. or to meet her emotional needs. Uh, and that's become a passion of mine. So I just spend a ton of time with my dog. So it's a huge time investment. And uh, many people aren't aren't that fortunate, right? Many people don't have the luxury of hanging out with their dogs all day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think teaching an outside button, teaching a play button, uh, a lot of people uh, teach a treat button, easy, no problem. And if mm-hmm. you want to go um, farther and, and into some more abstract concepts, it's going to take a little bit more creative thinking and probably a lot more time. Yeah, very cool. Do you do you recommend it though? If people yeah. are willing to put in that time, yeah. But I always recommend getting to know your dog and and learning how to communicate with them on their terms first because they're telling us things all the time. We just have yeah. to we just have to listen. So make sure you're listening to them before you're insisting that they communicate in English. Yeah. And they definitely also on that I've seen a lot of um TikTok videos and things recently of, of people who have adopted older animals and thought that they weren't trained and then turned out that they were trained in Spanish or German <gasps> and they just didn't understand English. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. I haven't seen any of those videos. I feel yeah, like I'm- I've, I've seen a few of them and it was like, you know, they'd either say something random or like something on the TV would say something in another language and the dog would respond and they're like, wait, does my does my dog speak French or whatever it was? And I just went, really, really cool. Yeah. Because yeah, like, you know, if they've not been around English, they obviously wouldn't understand the commands in, in English. They would understand it in whatever language they were trained with. Totally. That's, um, that, that speaks to teaching a visual cue with every verbal cue too. Right. Like Mm. if you teach this, I'm lifting my hand up in like a sit gesture with the word, then even Mm -hmm. if they're, you know, saying it in Italian, but they still recognize the visual cue, they might understand. But that is crazy. I love that. And that's going to inspire their owners to learn a second language. How beautiful. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Now, I wanted to talk as well about your social media. You've got YouTube and TikTok and Instagram, all these things. Um, Was that a separate decision outside of the study? Like, why did you decide to start putting this all on social media? The social media started before the study was even in existence. Um, So I started the Instagram because I was like, I just want to document my journey of like developing this bond with a puppy and watch us grow and train and learn. Uh, A friend of mine was like a much younger friend of mine was constantly sending me TikTok videos. I was like, nah, I'm too old for TikTok. And they were really funny though. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get TikTok. It's funny. And so I like started an account. I was like, okay, well now I have an account. I might as well like post something. And it almost instantaneously just blew up. Um, and, and went viral from day one for several weeks, months. I don't know. I think I had like a million followers in the first month, which was pretty, felt pretty spectacular. Um, yeah. didn't really have a basis of comparison, but I know now that that's, um, that's pretty unusual. And, um, then people started asking for some longer form content. And so I, I started a YouTube and I'm not super great at posting there. Um, I just feel like I'm juggling a lot of balls, but I'm trying to, I really want to start, um, getting some training videos out there. And I think that uh, having Otter now and when when we get to a place where we start training the buttons would be a really good place. You can just sort of watch my process with him and sort of take what works for them and leave what doesn't um, and just see it sort of the whole process from day one. Yeah. Did you expect the huge response that you've had? No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> it's, it's been... Um, yeah, I kind of like I kind of still don't believe it. 
Um, seven million is like it's so many people. It's so many people. It's so many people. It's crazy to think about that. And sometimes it feels like a lot of pressure, right? Um, and it's sort of an emotional roller coaster because with all of the lovely, positive, wonderful feedback that I get, um, with that many eyes on you, there's also going to be some negativity that comes your way. And particularly on TikTok, since it's sort of an app that's built around virality, um, a lot of times when a post goes viral, the people that are seeing it are not people who are have been following your your journey at all. They don't know you. They don't know the story. So they just see a dog pressing some buttons and they're like, ah, this is so fake. You're a fraud. And they can say some really nasty things. Um, so I've, I've had to learn to be a little bit thicker skinned. Uh, yeah, it's not yeah. the end of the world. It's not a reflection on who I am. But for me, the overwhelming amount of positive feedback is always just, it just warms my heart. I get so many people telling me, you know, uh, we love watching your journey and we don't ever plan to use the buttons, but you've really inspired us to develop a stronger and deeper connection with our animals. And that's what it's all about. So um, I really couldn't ask for more than that. I think that's, that's the beauty of this is just the, the depth of bond that we're capable of seeing um once we really focus on communication not just because of the buttons but once you start using the buttons it really makes you think about how your dog is already communicating and so then it just sort of snowballs on itself the depth that you can go to with them and your communication it's it's lovely yeah Yeah, and uh you've gotten a lot of fan art as well we were talking before we started recording about the beautiful quilts on your wall behind you um can you talk a bit about some of the fan art you've received yeah so we've gotten some paintings we've gotten some woodwork i've gotten a tiny little felt bunny um i've gotten um lots of drawings and just like like um what is it called digital art that i post Mm -hmm. all of those to um a highlight on my instagram called friend art and this one in particular was beautiful um this artist on TikTok, I wish I could remember her name right now. I feel like I'm doing her a disservice by not shouting her out, but I can't. Um, made this amazing quilt. It's like, I don't know, three feet by four feet. Does that sound about right from what you're looking yeah, at? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, and it's just like a, a patchwork quilt of bunny using all of these different textures and colors. And it's just stunning. You step up close and it's like um, a Goldsworthy, or not a Goldsworthy. Who's that artist? Pollock? No. Who's... All right, never mind. None of the the names are coming to me right now. Um, But you step up close and it just looks like pieces of fabric and you step away and this image of Bunny pops out of it and it's gorgeous. Anyway, she tagged me in this TikTok and I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Can I buy it? She's like, oh, well, I wasn't going to sell it. I was like, oh, no, that's okay. She's like, but you are Bunny's mom. So so I bought it from her and now it's hanging um, in her little sitting room and I love it so much. Gorgeous. I mean, it's very well done. I thought it was a painting. Yeah. It was like, so for a quilt to look that good. (laughs) Yeah, it's insane. It's so beautiful. Yeah, very talented. All right, we are getting towards the end of the podcast here, uh, but I always like to ask a random question to my (laughs) guest. So it's completely different for every episode and nothing to do with anything that we've talked about. Um, My one for you, I saw as I was scrolling through Facebook this morning and I thought it was a great random question. Um, It's got a bit of a setup to it. So it's um, you're a burglar, but you can only steal things that mildly inconvenience your victims. (laughs) What do you steal? 
toothpaste. Oh, yeah. That's a good right. one. Because you yeah. can go away without brushing your teeth and it'll be kind of gross, but it's not the end of the world. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say toilet paper, but that would be pretty inconvenient. Yeah, no, that's pretty inconvenient. I was thinking just like left shoelaces. Oh. <laughs> so you can still get shoelaces from other shoes for oh to work, but you'd have to like lace them up again and they wouldn't match. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, there are so many possible answers to this. How about the lid of the cranberry juice? Yep. Yep. The the example that was on this Facebook one was like the plate inside the microwave. Oh, like yeah. microwave will still work, but just not quite as well. That would be, to be perfectly honest, that would be very inconvenient to me. That would be like extremely annoying. Yeah. For yeah. me, that one wouldn't be a minor inconvenience. Let's see. Um, what about? See, now I can only think of highly irritating things. <laughs> the watering can. Yeah. Yeah. I just love the ones that are like extremely random, like and the 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 tag on the tea bag or something so that you know it falls in. <laughs> or I don't know. Just very random ones. That is very random. So maybe yeah. just the lid of the toothpaste then. Maybe just the yeah. lid of the toothpaste. Okay. Just the lid of the toothpaste. So then you can't close it and then you get the dry bits at the top. So gross. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, at that point, I'd rather just buy a new toothpaste. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. And my final question for you, Alexis, is one that I ask everyone who comes on the show. The show is called Loud and Seemingly Confident because that's how I want to describe myself. Do you consider yourself a confident person? No, I am not loud and I am not confident. I'm like, I am like so imposter syndrome all the time. And I always... No. I'm letting and it's terrible I always feel like I'm letting my dogs down no matter what yeah no I know it's horrible I'm really really um not super nice to myself um but that's okay I'm a work in progress just like we all are oh absolutely and I think the the imposter syndrome thing is so real um and a thing that a lot of people experience which I only heard that term within the last couple of years I don't know if it's a thing that's come around recently or or if I just became aware of the term recently but I think it's so helpful to have terms like that so that when you are experiencing it you're like oh no this is like there's a term for this which means other people go through it as well it's not just me yeah it can feel super isolating it's really nice to have conversations where you can use like you said the terminology and other people can be like yes i also experienced that you're not alone and Mm. you are totally valid yeah absolutely well thank you so much for coming on the show this has been absolutely fantastic i've loved learning all about your experience and relationship with bunny um thank you everyone else for listening please like share review all of those things to get this out there uh you can follow me on instagram at chelsea j heaney or you can follow the podcast at loud and seemingly confident both on instagram and facebook alexis where can people find out more about you and bunny what about bunny on all platforms tiktok instagram and youtube or you can go to whataboutbunny.com Perfect. Again, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. This was a total blast. Yeah.